Hello, and welcome to the Eyes Are Emperor podcast series. I'm your host, Alana Margulies Snyderman, and with me today is Matt Geiger, Managing Partner at MJG Capital Fund, a limited partnership specializing in natural resource investments based in California. Today, Matt will share with us the outlook for investing in metals and mining, including the greatest opportunities and challenges, how the firm is integrating ESG, DEI, and more. Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me, Alana. Appreciate uh, you bringing me on the podcast. Absolutely. So to kick off the conversation, tell us a little about the firm and how you got to where you are today. I'd be happy to. Um, So the MJG Fund is an open-ended, limited partnership focused on long-term investments in natural resources, namely metals and, and mining. Our investments are generally publicly traded, um, but we're focused much more on the junior end of the mining spectrum, with a median market capitalization of around 50 million US. And I think our, our largest holdings market cap is around 1 billion as it stands. When people with no familiarity uh, with, this, with this business ask me what I do, I find that it's easiest to explain it as venture capital for those teams that are exploring for and developing the next generation of mines. And I myself am from Silicon Valley, um, so a bit <laughs> on the other end of the uh, the spectrum um, in terms of the value the value chain. Um, and I actually launched this fund, fun fact, out of my sophomore year dorm room at the, the Wharton School undergrad program um, back over 12 years ago. And uh, here, here we are over a decade later and still going strong. Love your journey, Matt. So given that, wanted to hear your overall outlook for investing in metals and mining. Sure. Well, it's really anybody's guess what happens over the next six to 12 months. When looking forward, I really try to think in longer time horizons, three, five years, even longer. And that's reflected in the fund's uh, structure. We actually have a 10-year lockup for all investors, which I think is the optimal way to structure a long-term investment vehicle in the mining industry. That said, I can say with confidence that over the course of 2020s, the outlook for the mining industry is exceedingly bullish. And I say this for a few reasons. The first is the relative valuations to other asset prices. Whether you look at commodity prices themselves relative to general equities, whether you look at commodity producing companies relative to general equities, um, we're at century lows. And there's some good Rosen, um, good data on both of these fronts, uh, the first from Goreen and Rosenswag, um, the second from GMO in terms of equity valuations. And also, if you look at mining's weighting within the S&P 500, it's about 0.5%, uh, so half of 1% of the S&P 500. We're at the peak of the last cycle in 2011, we reached 1.5%. So relative to other asset classes, mining and natural resources more generally are cheap. The second point is that there's been significant underinvestment in the industry over the past decade, both in expanding existing uh, mines, developing new mines, and going out and exploring for new deposits. And just looking at sustaining CapEx investments um, relative to EBIT, we're at uh, 60% below the level that we were just a decade ago. And this has been a pronounced trend. So there's not going to be a quick supply response to higher prices that are coming. And then third, there's the global decarbonization push, which I view as exceedingly bullish for most of the metals complex over the medium to long term. As the world adopts metal intensive alternatives to hydrocarbons, so we're talking wind, solar, nuclear, and associated battery storage that's needed for renewables, these are incredibly metal intensive applications. And it's my belief that 
this fact will drive the next surge of interest in the mining industry. Um, we're already seeing initial signs of generalist and new investor attention returning, but it still feels quite early. So based on that, Matt, where do you see some of the greatest opportunities and why? Well, I think the greatest opportunity stems from the global decarbonization push um, that is continuing to gain, gain steam. And I'm, I'm a long-term believer in this. I think governments globally and the majority of populations globally are pushing for cleaner, less CO2-intensive sources of, of energy. And we simply cannot get close to our climate goals globally without pulling significantly more metals from the ground, whether it's copper, nickel, uranium, lithium, cobalt, graphite. There's dozens of metals that need to be pulled around out of the ground for these more friendly, uh, environmentally friendly environmental sources. You know, wind power, uh, solar power, power, nuclear are incredibly metals intensive. And if we're going to transition away from hydrocarbons, the world needs to rely on the mining industry. But there's a real disconnect currently between how society views the industry, but its importance for society's goals moving forward. And I'd also say quickly that the onshoring and friendshoring that we're seeing in supply chains are also creating really interesting opportunities across the metals complex. We've actually seen governments come out in the US, Canada, Europe, Australia, and just earlier this week, Japan, and throw some major financial support behind metal projects. Um, so this is a trend that I think we'll see continue going forward. Matt, on the other hand, I'd like you to address some of the greatest challenges you face and what you're doing to conquer them. Sure. Well, I referenced this uh, previously, um, but you know, mining really is viewed by society as a dirty, stodgy, old-fashioned business. Um, and honestly, that keeps investors away. It also keeps talent away from the, the space. And I, I view it as a critically important space for, for humanity at large going forward. Um, and you know, also because of this perception, and it makes it much more difficult for the industry to achieve permitting and social license to develop our next generation of minds. So the, the industry does desperately need to improve its image. And I do believe that this global car decarbonization push, if the industry plays its cards right, provides the opportunity to do so. Um, the reality is that we simply do not have an alternative energy build out without mining. But as it stands, society is unaware of this. And it's, it's up to folks like uh, myself and others uh, with a platform in the industry to share that there is resp uh, responsible mining uh, taking place out there. And we have to embrace it if we want to meet our climate goals globally. Matt, that's the next segue into the next topic on ESG and DEI, which are obviously top of mind for the industry, and wanted you to discuss how your firm's integrating both of these. Sure. So the, the ESG framework is it's really integral to our investment process. And I will say the first thing that I look at when viewing any investment is the people. Always bet on the, the jockey and, and not the horse, at least in the early stage um, mineral industry. And so starting with the G, you know, who are the people? Uh, what are their, their previous uh, achievements? Are they well incentivized? Uh, how is the government set up? Uh, you know, how is comp? How do they receive their shares? There's so many things to, to look at just on the, on the people's front. And if it does not pass the G uh, box and, and this does not pass muster, then it's an immediate pass for us as an investment. But then moving on, think of a development stage mineral project. Or maybe there's a deposit that's been discovered and the company is trying to advance it through permitting, obtain social license, and then ultimately build the mine. The ESG and the E aspects are essential. It's true that all mines have negative externalities 
but some are significantly more disruptive than others. And with the internet and social media, obtaining social license from nearby communities to mine is as critical as it's ever been. Um, and environmental permitting as well, at least in the Western world, is also lengthy, onerous, and fraught with risk. So investors who ignore the environmental and social aspects when considering a mineral investment uh, risk out invis- investing in projects that may make sense on paper in terms of an economic perspective, but simply won't be built due to these other factors. Matt, we've covered a lot of ground today, so I wanted to see what your future plans are for the firm. Sure. So we're, we're sticking with the plan for the foreseeable future here, and we'll continue to add uh, new limited partners that share the MJG Partnership's long-term vision. We're still early in this mining cycle, and there's significant opportunity over the course of this decade. That said, I do anticipate that at some point in the late 2020s, that we will see a mining market that has swung from its undervalued, unloved state today to something that's more over-exuberant and overly bullish. At that point, the plan is to dissolve the limited partnership, perhaps go hang out on a beach for a few years, and then pick back up again when the industry is again unloved. Again, this is about the most cyclical industry out there, and so it's very important for one to choose uh, their exit and entry points wisely. Matt, I want to thank you so much for sharing your perspective with our listeners. And thank you for listening to the Eisner Amper podcast series. Visit EisnerAmper.com for more information on this and a host of other topics. And join us for our next Eisner Amper podcast when we get down to business.